there were moments where the facility worked. That, that's certainly not the only thing necessary, but it certainly is one of the things that's necessary. If you want to consistently experience, you know, uh, community, family life at a certain, in a certain way, like large family gatherings that feel like everyone is belongs and everyone uh, can fully participate like that requires some kind of structure yeah you know to make that work in today's episode we'll be giving you an abrahamic tent tour that simply means that we are going to go inside the walls of someone's home and they're going to show us how they have configured their home to serve their family's vision and I think that's it can be really helpful and inspiring to see what someone else does and uh, maybe give you some ideas about how to use your space better. I'm particularly pleased with uh, our guest who's going to be walking us around his home. His name's Jeremy Pryor. He's an old friend, uh, lives in the Cincinnati area, as do I. And you'll see that Jeremy is a uniquely thoughtful guy. Um, he's very intentional about the way that he has put his home together. He and his wife, April, are they are a pillar family in this part of the world. We really are glad to have them. And Jeremy has been coaching fathers and helping people think about family for a long time. He uh, helps lead an organization called Family Teams, and you can find them at familyteams.com. You can uh, find a podcast called the Family Teams Podcast, and Jeremy also has his own podcast called the Jeremy Pryor Podcast, uh, where yours truly has appeared before. So anyhow, get ready for the tour. But uh, first, what is this podcast? Hi, I'm Steve. For nearly 30 years, I've been a pastor and disciple maker, and what I really love doing is helping guys be better followers of Christ and better leaders at home. I'm Mark a certified financial planner with an MBA and an Ivy League degree who wants to make sure you're making the smartest money decisions possible. And this is Abraham's Wallet. Join us weekly and create a culture in your family of multi-generational prosperity, spiritually, relationally, physically, intellectually, and financially. Run your home, your dough, like a biblical boss. I love about this town is it was it was built before the automobile and so around here you have like very different um, kinds of houses so you don't have just like one socioeconomic level in one place um, so it allows you to like be with young families singles there's like apartments being rented across the street there's a couple duplexes this was originally duplex so it's uh yeah it's and everything is it's really accessible um, so I love the community feel of being in kind of a, that kind of mixture in a, in a city. Yeah. What, what's the goal of living To really here? be a hub of community, mission, disciple making. So this is a, a big part of our, yeah, our vision is to have an outpost that's really designed to be a place for people to come and experience the kingdom of God. Okay. Uh, we want that to not just be like some church building we go to or experience once in a while or on a weekly basis, but to be the place where we live. and. Where we do our life so it's a good kind of he heading for us to remember as we're walking around that you your primary thought wasn't protect my family the primary right. thought was how can this be a place where other people can come and use the yes. space yeah but why don't we start with this uh tiered uh garden here what's the story here 
The only way to really make it usable was to do something to make a flat space or multiple flat spaces, which requires terracing. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time in Israel where there was, uh, you see constantly because the land there is so precious to people. Yes. Um, they use every square You're just foot. driving around, you see terracing everywhere. How do you use it? Do you assign chores? This year, my daughter, Elisa, she's the one who's been taking most responsibility for it. Uh, April and I come out here. And so, yeah, different kids, different seasons. It's like, okay, who's, who has a vision for the, for the, for the garden? And a big, yeah. big part for me is I want to be on the trajectory towards, you know, self-sustainability as a, as a piece of property. Uh -huh. And so a lot of what I feel like we're doing is learning. Like, um, like, oh, that's, that's not a good way to, like, we had asparagus all over the place. Um, I love it because it's a perennial and it keeps coming back. And if we needed to eat, I mean, there's, that's going to pop up, you know, <laughs> yeah. whether we have seeds or not. Yeah. Uh, but then one of my kids accidentally ripped it up last year. So we had to then replant it and buy roots. And so I'm just like, we're learning what these look like. Yeah. We're learning what things, what grows. We're learning how many calories things, you know, create. And it's not always presentable. In other words, like we're not, we're not really trying to win any landscaping awards here. Um, we're trying to learn, we're trying to make it usable. We're also, yeah. but we don't want to annoy our neighbors either. So, sure. so it's like, uh, trying to find that balance. Now, as we come closer to the house, uh, I'm struck by this gigantic front porch. So tell me about the vision here. Yeah. Well, we just wanted to maximize it. Like we were like, we want, we, we host a lot of meals and we like to hang out outside. And so we just built the largest porch we felt like we could and um we've had meals we we have probably two or three meals a week out here with groups like like you know 15 20 people yeah. um so shabbat dinner we do potlucks on sunday and sometimes on thursday nights um, and then just this creates a couple different you know spaces you could work you can uh, from this table during sure. the day you can chill and have conversations over there. You're in the shade all the time. Um, I, I love it. I mean, this is this is one of those things where it's, you're also connected to the street. Yeah, you know? right. I mean, you could obviously a lot of people do this kind of thing on their back. Right. Know, we have it. We like our backyard as well. But but it's nice to have a place that is accessible. Where you say hi to your neighbors. They could come and say hi, come up and talk to you. And it, when we're inviting people to our house for the first time, I think it really helps them be comfortable to be right. able to come and not like immediately jump in some <laughs> feel like there's an exit house. yeah yeah there's <laughs> lots of exits you know you can kind of see everything and so this is this just makes it really really comfortable to, to almost creates a third space right know, that's outside of the house you know but it, it's it's close and it still represents our family's culture was there nothing here was there a little overhang here there were two tiny porches on each side because this was a duplex uh-huh and so you had a tiny porch here, a tiny porch there that might fit one or two people sitting outside, but mostly just entryways. And they both were kind of falling off the house um, and, uh, and they didn't actually match each other. They were built separately. Nice. So it was, it was, it was really not usable. Uh -huh. um, so we got rid of those and then built this. Last time that I tried to do this with you, I know that this was in dream stage. So tell me about all of this. You said we wanted to maximize the square footage and here you've pushed right. I guess yes. this is your boundary line. It is, yeah. Part of the practice is just to walk the perimeter and just constantly ask, you know, what, what's the point of this space? Is there any usefulness? So when I, we looked at this side, this, this side yard felt really useless to us, but it'd be perfect when you're hanging out, having a meal here, people have these little kids, they can come and, 
and enjoy a playground and they could play with their kids and then for our grandkids this will be a great space and it's it's you know fenced in so that it feels safe so this has really been a very useful space for us so mm. Yeah, one thing that I'm thinking is that it could be overwhelming for people to see your house in its present state and think, first of all, there's no houses like this on the market. Right. Um, and secondly, thinking, they, they didn't see the state that your house was when you moved in. Right. And they don't understand that these were all like phases. Right. Like, like so even the three things that we've seen, the tiered garden the porch and this side play area how many years are we looking at here uh probably about six or seven years yeah when we bought the house it was it was a foreclosure it was being vandalized there was like literal like graffiti inside the house people had sprayed painted there was broken windows um it was in bad shape and uh -huh. there was there was almost no space for hosting at all i mean right. there was no the largest room could fit maybe eight to ten people and our family's seven so how do you host anything? Right. Um, and that's that was the state of where we bought it. So everything that we used from a it was a, it was it great bones, you know, like it had right. a lot of potential, but it, it did require a lot of work. You don't have to move into the ideal space. Right. You have to find a place where there's potential. Yeah. Um, and that you you kind of blew things out from there, including as we'll see every last inch of the back of the property. You talk about it coming up. We'll also see that your property goes down in the back. Why don't we stay on the outside and we'll go around okay. this side. I love this the idea of like every square inch, you know? Sure. And so I think that having had six acres and having had experienced the lack of being able to do that, the frustration of saying yeah. it always feels like I'm living in somebody else's vision. It's too big. I feel like I'm underqualified for what I'm doing. I'm like, I want a space that feels like us a hundred percent. Like right. could, could we get there? And and it did take time, but and a lot of resources. But but compared to, I mean, the amount of space, it just it really fits us. It, I, it, there's almost no, there's almost nothing that we need to facilitate as a family that this property right. can't facilitate. Right. Anything that's beyond this property is beyond a house. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I think we're already beyond a house in some in some <laughs> right. ways. Yeah. You've made this a community center and a church and all kinds of things yeah things are gathered here yeah so does this give you joy to look at your place and go i think we're maximizing yeah it. yeah actually this is what motivates a lot of people's drive to build churches and you know do big fundraising campaigns for church buildings and things like that i get it i get like how frustrating it is to see a vision yeah and to say we don't have a facility that could facilitate that um and so i i felt like i was in that position i was like i I see a vision. There's certain kinds of things I want to experience on a Shabbat night, or there's certain things I want to experience with a church community that's not in a church building, but in a house or on a table in a living room. Um, and I've had tastes of those things. Yes. There was a prophet you brought into Cincinnati. He was like in his 80s. Do you remember this guy's name? Don Morrison. Yes. He'd never seen me before. I, I'd never seen him before. It was it was a really crazy crazy experience. But it, like, I was in this line, and and I when I got and this was long. This was before, maybe before we bought this house. Um, he, we got to the front of the line and Don's like, oh, you guys live in like, it's almost like a fishbowl. Like everyone sees your family and sees how you guys live. And like he, he painted this picture of even like what we're doing this video right now. Right. This was what he saw. Right. And people looking at your yeah, family, which, your which in some ways you're like, ah, like we like to think, and I understand like, um, family feels like a private thing. Sure. And I think that 
Uh, that's something that April and I had to really work through because both of us are introverted and pretty private people naturally. But, um, but it also feels like if you're going to do something that's totally different than what people are used to, um, it really is difficult for people to see how that's supposed to work. The how questions get really confusing for people yeah. when you're like, yeah, everyone figure, figure it out on your own. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there's a calling if, you try to, if you're trying to do family in a really different way to, to allow a, at least some amount of the fishbowl yep. to, to take place. Of course. So it's trying to figure that out. But that, that, that was really encouraging to me that the Holy Spirit seemed to download that right on Don yeah. and kind of gave me the courage and also the willingness to say, okay, well, let's do it. That's terrific. Well, I think of Paul saying, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well, because mm -hmm. you'd become so dear to us. Yeah. And I was taught early on in disciple making that you can't take a group of young guys, bring them to some content and go feed boys and then <laughs> see you later. Right. It, if you're going to disciple someone, you have to invite them into your world. Yes. And this Open home says, welcome to our world, the yes. way that you guys run this. So let's continue to the back. Okay. Uh, we'll go into this big add-on. So this was the back of the house, this brick, yeah. correct? Yeah, and then you did this stops. big add-on. Yeah, this is where the addition starts. We'll go in there and I'll just throw in for a second uh, that there was a rickety old garage here. There was, yeah. And it was also torn down and in a multi-generational stroke of genius, um, your mom and dad moved, built a house where right. the garage was yes and now live here yes can you tell us anything about that <laughs> well th yeah it's been a i mean it was it's been a really great process of you know I, my parents i think we really learned to work together as a family and enjoy our familyness through shabbat dinners and so when we were living out in the country my parents would come over you know first it was once a month then it was like every other week and then eventually it became every week right where they would come and just enjoy that and so we really learned uh, that we liked being around each other we learned how to like you know do things together um, my dad he was in Seattle and they decided to move here because he was teaching a class about Abraham and um, the, the class Ding. was a bunch of people in their 50s and 60s and uh, at the very end of the class he he said to them I'm going to apply what we just learned Sell, sell our house and we're going to move to Kentucky to be with my son, you know, and begin to pour into our grandchildren. Wow. Um, and so that, you know, they could have gone, you know, to Arizona like a lot of their friends or yep. Florida or someplace, um, but they decided to settle here. And so they had a house for about 13 years, you know, in the area. And then uh, they decided, hey, let's decide where we're going to kind of like end up like um, and this is what they they decided let's do this and this allows us to be together to and for them to be very integrated part of our rhythms yep and uh yeah it's but be alone when they need it yeah it's a good it's a good balance between privacy having their own household really being able to manage that their own kitchen their own space but any time they can come over and be a part of what's yep. going on over here yeah well let's come into the back and an area that speaks to me personally <laughs> yeah All right, yeah, so this is our backyard. We've got a deck, got a swim spa up here. Um, come down what the steps. What is a swim spa? 
it's got two sections. So one section's for swimming, which is kind of got the jets where you can kind of like treadmill. Um, and it's also, it, the, both sides are heated, but you can heat them at different temperatures. That, that's usually heated to about around 85 degrees. And then we have a hot tub that's like 98 degrees. Okay, great. Yeah. The deck goes into the house and now this doesn't look cheap. Tell me about this. Yes, yes. That's a pickleball, basketball, volleyball, badminton court. Sure. Kind of a sports court. Um, so yeah, when we thought about, like we never spent any time back here. Um, and so, and I grew up in Seattle where some of my friends had pickleball courts in their backyard. I really? know it's just taking off now, but this is what, it, for me this summer was a loop between playing pickleball and jumping the lake. Right. So having water and like overheating in the pickleball court. Yeah. Especially in, in Seattle, they, you don't have humidity. Out here, it's like really great to get to jump, Amen. to dip in a pool or something. And this is before the days of Joe Freudenberg could That's actually right. build this for you. <laughs> yeah, my buddy Joe now builds these. And um, yeah, but this is, this was, yeah, this, this has been huge for, I mean, cause this is also like, how do you get cardiovascular exercise into your older age? Like my dad, he's 76. He's out here playing all the time. Awesome. Like, you know, it's really helpful to have a space where you can, you can just, you know, after dinner, you're there, the, you know, in the, by around 6, 7 PM, all of this is in shade. Yes. And so this is like really cool in the evening. We come out here, play whenever we want, get some exercise, have some fun, do some tournaments, do whatever. Um, when we're hosting things, this is also a really, really useful, um, playing volleyball, basketball, whatever. Yes. So, yeah. There is a young adult midrash, which is basically an, an intense Bible study for 13 to 18 year olds that you guys often host. And the first time I came to one of those, there was, I don't know, 25 young people here. And it was like, read the Bible, pray a little bit. And then everybody dumps on to the court <laughs> yes. and is having playing Newcomb volleyball and whatever else. Yeah. And this is terrific. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, this is a great room that we're going to see, but I think it'll feel more natural if we walk into the original entrance to the house yeah. and then come through. So we're going to go the long way around. All right. We're coming back up to the front of the house, which when you go in this entrance, it seems, well, oh, after, once you've seen the, you know, the glorious pickleball court, uh, <laughs> grandparents house. This looks positively quaint. Gather here. This is where we could fit maybe 10 people for Bible study or something. Now this is a playroom for kids because this is, you can actually, you know, close yeah. this off. This is a very heavy door. So you can have like lots of littles in here and then you can also close. This is, these are pocket doors as well. This house is about built in the late 1800s. So you can close off this. Compartmentalize. So yeah. So you can, so we do, this is all childcare during a, during like a thing we're hosting. You've got, they've got that side yard for running around. And yes. then if it's, we need to be inside and contained, right. it's here. Down here, it's got, got that foam floor. Lovely. Yeah. yeah so. It's, I mean, I'm just think, you just think back through the years as the uses that this one room has had in yes. your home. It's pretty cool. And this was your, this was your original uh, Shabbat table? Is it, yeah. Do you still do Shabbat here? Yeah, we do. So we will usually have to put a table all the way, at, like put another table on here to fit, you know, 15, 20 people um, for Shabbat. But this is, yeah, in the winter, this is where we are. We, we eat in the, on the porch for as long as we possibly can, including like coats. Right, right, right. <laughs> and everything else. Honey, I could, could, but could we I go in, 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 inside? 
But eventually it does, it does become time to come back inside. Um, is Passover always here? Oh, Passover is always in the gathering room. Okay. We, we need to set up for usually a larger group. I see. Yeah. Okay. So I think as we pass through here, we're in new addition. Is that right? Uh, no, this, this kitchen was a part of the original house. Okay. So it used to be a duplex where this half was a kitchen and this half was a kitchen belonging to the other side. I see. So we turned it into one kitchen. I see. And then the, the new house starts, or the dish okay. starts right there, yeah. So we've got an expanded kitchen here with two ranges. There's one there, there's one here. Um, there's a drink fridge over here. Here's obviously one of the latest experiments. This, <laughs> this reminds me of the time uh, that you tried to grow fish in your house. Yes. So you know what this is, Stephen? This is a fig tree. No kidding. Yeah, so I've been, you know, we've been studying uh, Micah 4, you know, about every man sits under his fig tree. So I was like, I wonder if I could grow a fig tree. Wow. <laughs> I don't know where I'll put it, but <laughs> we'll see. This might be the first of many fig tree experiments. Amazing. <laughs> That's great. So I just got that. Yeah. Okay. Now here we are at what I think of as the, I think of this as the center of the house. Yeah, it is now. Yeah. So um, tell me what you're thinking here when you built this. So we have five kids. And I was, so there was like kind of two visions. One was when they have kids, how many people should we be preparing ourselves to host at, at a normal oh my. time? And I'm like, I think our kids, they all want, they all can't wait to have large families. Sure. <laughs> so we were, okay, this, this could get really large. So if we're going to stay, stay here, then we need a really big space. Um, and then I know that, and you've done this too, Stephen, like when you, you've hosted things in your house and it's like, it's so cool to have a crowded room um, where the Holy Spirit can do things. And, um, but it's, it's, it's tough when that is constantly being impacted by the space just not being big enough. Yes. Um, so as a father, you're like, I want to host this in my house because I need to oversee the kind of spiritual culture and environment. Me and my wife, we want to, we want to be responsible and we want to, we want to be creating that, that culture to steward the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's, that's really the kind of uh, more ministry element of this space. I think of times when there's been eight of us uh, sprawled out in here because the Bengals were playing playoff games oh, yeah. here. And then I've also those Midrash nights where there's been 50 people here with yeah. students and their parents. Um, and you guys have, I mean, there's this whole area that's for worship music so clearly i mean <clears throat> i i just like it when there's tools the tools are yes. present okay right. so look yes. there's diapers over there in the corner <laughs> and i know that i know that uh sewing has happened on this table yes, as well as downstairs we've got a and, puzzle going on here uh, it's just uh yeah, it's just very set up and to flip this into a hosting environment it really is not a big big deal because um, we don't really it, it's reasonably clean and ready to rock um, so we just pick up a few things and then we're, we're usually ready to go I just want to throw out that the priors they built their home to be um, a headquarters of the church so they want their they want kingdom life to come flowing out of their home and there have been many times when I'm, I'm referencing these Bible study groups or these young people's groups, when they are, their crew will be on the front porch having a meal and their 
old children, as well as 40 of their closest Bible study friends, will be here in the back doing things. And there have been times, I'm trying to think of something that happened recently, when I was here and you guys, you and April were like, hi guys, and then you drifted away <laughs> upstairs. And the, yeah. whole, the whole feeling is that there is like this community center, open church kind of feel where I know that if, man, I've got to grab 40 guys. I, I've got this teacher coming in town. We don't have any place to meet. Hmm. Jeremy, could we just use your place for the meeting? I just know that's their heart. Is that, that's, why, that's what this piece of property is for, is for the king and his purposes. So I, I would invite anybody to make such a flow in and through your home that people feel that way about your home. They actually feel some ownership over your home and they feel an open invitation there. And I think you guys have done that wonderfully here. And it's a huge privilege for us too, I would say, because it's it's really wonderful to be able to walk downstairs, experience the Holy Spirit, <laughs> be taught amazing things, and then just to walk back upstairs. Yeah. Like, like I love that. Like yeah. I, it's like I, I'm. It's so much better to host. I prefer to host almost anything than go to anything. Sure. Um, so not that we don't go to things, but it's just I, I we see it as a win-win. You know, we'd love to get to do that here. Would you give us um, a paragraph on the biblical idea that families and homes are, biblically speaking, they're really ground zero for the kingdom and that these little brick church house on the corner with the cross on top, that's a fine building, but biblically, it's not ground zero for the kingdom. Yeah. Well... I was really convinced about that, just reading, starting in, in Acts. So you have, you know, I always wondered when Peter was, and the disciples were stewarding the presence of the Holy Spirit, and they were asking themselves, what church model should we do? Should we go mega church? Should we go house church? <laughs> um, I don't think that conversation ever happened. Yeah. Because in the first century, you had households, oikoses, and everyone had a household. A household usually had 15 to 30 people that were in and working there that were a part of that household. That was the way they lived in the first century. And so it may, a lot of people think they did house churches because they were being persecuted, but their persecutions were specific during different seasons. They were fairly short. They could be very intense, but that wasn't the, the reason. The reason was that they had something even better. They had an oikos. Why isn't oikos better? Why is it better to do in a household? And I think it's because the nature of the kingdom is about relationships and love. And so the family is the, the perfect um, sort of the foundation for that, that sort of spiritual family to emerge from. Yep. You know, Jesus, when he, his first, the first time he ever described the church was when that rich young ruler walked away from Jesus and Peter starts freaking out along with the other disciples saying, what, what about us? Like we've done, we've given up everything to follow you. And Jesus yeah. said, anyone has given up, you know, houses and mothers and children and fields and will not fail to receive a hundred times more in this age, houses, fields, mothers, children, you know, with yeah. that persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. And so Jesus, his first vision of the church was a multi-generational family, a huge abundant family. And they had these amazing abundant families. You see it in the book of Acts, basically everywhere Paul went, um, it described, it really named a particular householder. These yes. are guys like, you know, Gaius and Crispus and the Philippian jailer and Lydia and Cornelius yep. and Philemon. These were all people, they were listed because they, they were the hosting hub of, their, their household represented the place where the, the place was, it was always 
the place where they would get to gather and they would get to host all the things that look multi generational family. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They emerge. Oh, I see. <laughs> all right. Here's mom, April, daughter, Kelsey, and yes. grand, grandchild. Grandbaby. Our number one grandchild, yeah. Elijah. You look pathetic. How about, if, <laughs> how about if I lift these to your car? I want to see how far you could. <laughs> it's a perfect height. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm following you. A few moments later. What advice do you give? fathers in okay well how how would i start from this being simply our little refuge away from the world how could it how could i start to make my home more of a kingdom headquarters i think that it does begin with a desire to say that we want i want my kids to see and experience a very integrated kind of faith it's very difficult today you know, we live with, you know, screens and bedrooms is really the, um, the main cultural uh, kind of where everything's headed and everything's kind of already gone. You can't any longer say whatever the default is, it's going to be healthy. The default's just not healthy. Right. It, so it takes a ton of effort on the part of a father to try and draw the family into the center as opposed to um, all of the billion dollar corporations that are pushing our family into the fringes to be isolated and consuming their entertainment um, in, in, you know, in isolation. And, yeah. and so I think, I think that to have a really robust rhythm where lots of things are happening in the house, there's lots of activity going on, um, and that activity is, is really um, you know, edifying, that's, that's I, think, I think to want that is the first step. And then you start to, to just volunteer and say, hey, what can we host here? You know, what, what are the rhythms of our house? What evenings are open? Um, I, I st we started a lot of times with, um, I think a lot of people start with, I, you know, things that they, they want to be a part of. We started with really the week and we we're like, we're going to host things on Tuesday night, on Thursday night, on Friday night and on Sunday night. And so those are our open nights. We're gonna be closed on Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday is Shabbat, and so it's kind of, but Saturday night's kind of a closed night for our family. So uh -huh. those are really the three nights that are kind of where we're fairly closed. And then we maximize Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday nights in particular, and, and our Friday night Shabbat. So those four nights are, lots of are happening here, but we fully recover from that activity, you know, because we don't do those things often, you know, t two nights in a row, um, except for that Shabbat, which is a very different kind of, yeah. it's already a relaxing time. So. That's, so the question is always like, how do we, is there more we can, so that's sometimes why you'll see like on a Thursday night, we'll host two or three things on one evening um, because that's open. And so we're like, what, how do you maximize, you know, this time tonight? Yeah. Um, if, if there's multiple things, that's great. Would you walk Mac through your vision statement and what that? Sure, yeah. Hey, interrupting the tour. Don't know where you are with Jeremy right now, maybe. Maybe you're looking at his super nerdy J.R. Tolkien collection, J.R.R. Tolkien collection. Uh, if not, you're going to see that soon. Look forward to that. But I wanted to interrupt and just give you a little bit of an announcement. If you're watching this on YouTube, you have probably already noticed that Abraham's wallet is now under a larger umbrella and the umbrella is called the 318 Network. All that really means is that 
Abraham's Wallet is going to be one of a few podcasts that we're going to work on producing. Um, the, the next podcast that's going to be spun up, if you can't already see an episode up there uh, now, is uh, something called What the Church, and it's a place for uh, me to do my gentle and loving rants about what's happening in the modern church, something that I have done, because uh, sometimes I can't help myself on Abraham's wallet and do that. But uh, so we envision having a whole suite of podcasts, and so we need an, an umbrella to put it under, and we have decided on the 318 Network. In Genesis 14, we're told that Abraham, who was, he was a bad man, and I mean that in a good way. He was a bad man. Not only was he a super wealthy guy, he was a fighting man, and he was a leader of men. And so there were there was this crew, we're told 318 fighting trained men of, of army age were part of his household. So this would be probably he was probably the leader of a clan. So this would have been nephews and this would have been cousins and this would have been grandchildren. They lived a long time in those days. Um, And all of the servants, all of his workers, all of them together lived in his household, 318 men. We think that's a little bit impressive. And we also like to think of ourselves as being on Abraham's downline. Obviously, we want to think of ourselves as being one of his men. So when we think of the 318 network, we think of somebody who is excelling at all sorts of things. So that's a little context for what you're seeing there that doesn't change anything here at Abraham's Wallet. We're just going to keep crushing awesome content to help you uh, make finances that uh, please the Lord and further the mission of your home. Um, And I just want to say before I throw you back to the tour, which I know you're loving. It's fascinating, isn't it? I'm, I, I was certainly interested in walking around Jeremy's house. Um, th- this kind of thing is only possible for us to expand and to be doing more stuff and to take time on location, go in people's homes, cut together video, all that stuff. Um, it's only possible because we have donors that believe in us and support this, this effort that we're doing. And uh, we love doing it. Mark and I both are thrilled to be able to uh, give you what we hope is increasingly high quality content every week that actually helps you, helps you put your feet on a stone for the way that you're leading your family. Um, And I just want to say thanks to our donors. And if you want to join that auspicious group, you can always go to abrahamswallet.com slash donate. And that's kind of our, our world. Our ask is, our ask is real simple. It's if, would you be willing to, to support us $5 a month? That would be a great gift to us. So that's it. Um, 318 Network. All right. Back to the tour. But would you walk Mac through your vision statement and what that? Sure. Yeah. So this, this is poster kind of, means. Yeah. We've got our mission, vision, and values here. So. The mission statements to establish a united multi-generational disciple-making team that restores the biblical blueprint of family, builds up the church in Cincinnati, and blesses Israel because of their central role in the current chapter in God's story. So everyone in our family is really very dialed in to those three elements, you know, the, the idea of family, Cincinnati, and Israel. Our vision is a thousand disciple-making households in Cincinnati and then a hundred cities beyond. So that's 
our vision. We have a nonprofit called 1KH, 1,000 Houses, that, that works that out. And then this is the culture we're trying to create. Rhythmic living, which I just described, living to a seven-day yep. rhythm. Better together. Let's try to find more things we can do together instead of just the default, which is separated. Honor our elders. Try to really live integrated with the previous generation upstream. Story formed uh, to really, we really champion story. We love talking about story. We love experiencing scripture as a story through the home. That's what you guys, that's what this whole conversation is about, like trying to make our home the hub for these things. Steward and expand. And so we always want to be expanding, but only to the level that our stewardship really warrants, the fruitfulness of our stewardship really warrants expansion. Then we want to keep going. And then Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is the kind of, we want to really relate and draw near to to God as, as triune. And so I'm constantly thinking about how, how are we drawing closer to the Father, to Jesus, and to the Spirit. So that's, that's, that's the culture we're trying to create as a family. That's great. All right, let's look at a little more of the house. And you can shoot. If you, you, you can take a glimpse if you want of my, my Tower of Tolkien. Oh my! I didn't <laughs> know that that had been uh, moved here. Yeah. Tell us about your history with Tolkien. So our first business was we built the world's largest Lord of the Rings collectibles um, uh, e-commerce website. So that was before the movies came out, then they came out and just kind of blew up. But it was all kind of came from my obsession with uh, Tolkien when I was um, in middle school. And so this is really nostalgic for me. So I still with, you know, with different, like Kyra and I right now are working on this business. This is like a little side business we do on eBay. So uh, instead of trading stocks, which I don't really understand very well, or trade crypto, which I tried and got really burned, frustrated with. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I, there's one thing I know that's, I, I know better than almost anyone on the planet. And that is, I know the value of Lord of the Rings collectibles. So I'm like, let's just trade those. Fascinating. So yeah, we're constantly trading, um, trading uh, various uh, Lord of the Rings things. You're probably one of the few people that has Ints magazine right here in the Cincinnati <laughs> That's area. That's a very rare, uh, yeah, it's a very rare role-playing module right there. Ints magazine. Um, <laughs> yeah, your right. Subscription. <laughs> I, I really love, ex like, having a like letting a house be eccentric. Uh-huh. Could you imagine being a grandchild and just, like, running around? Uh, like, absolutely. All these what nooks. Is, yeah, I just, I think it would be, in the, in the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, Lewis really plays on that when the, the Pevensies come to that house in the country where the professor lives. Yes. And just like he was things to explore. Yeah. Just like having a house where there's these weird rooms everywhere. Yes. I just think that's, that's a really, now we're seeing bolts thing. of fabric. Whoa. Holy mackerel. What, what are we looking at here? <laughs> yeah. This is a, uh, this is a long arm. So this is a, um, basically it's a robot, um, that quilts. So uh -huh. you sure. have a computer and then you, you put somebody's quilt on here. So Kelsey's doing this for other people. And then this, this sucker will basically do designs, uh, quilt designs. And it's, it's much faster and more accurate than, than hand quilting. So, um, so that, that's what this is for. So this is like a little side business, perfect for a mom. Um, because you could have a child just playing around here and, this doesn't require your attention the whole time. Right. It requires, so in an hour of quilting, you know, you might be making 20 or $30 an hour doing the quilting, but you're only actually active for maybe 10 or 15 minutes of that hour. Uh -huh. So you could be working on other things. And so, so this is why I think Kelsey was like, let's like, you know, invest in this. So this, this was, they also have an online fabric store. Uh, you used to have a storefront yeah. right at the end of the street here. 
and then they found that there there's more profitability just being online. Right. And it also crosses my mind that for Kelsey, she can do as much of this as she can do. Right. And then she can walk away exactly. from it. And yeah, because the fixed co like expenses of a business like that can be really tough on a mother who's like, hey, I just need a couple of months of just, I need a rest. Yeah. You know? Well, you have still have to pay rent. You still have customers coming in. You know, you got to maintain the business. And so, you know, as April and I were looking at that, we're like, yeah, I don't know if that's a great fit for this season she's heading into. So this is way better. It's right in our house. So if April needs to come down or one of the other girls, you know, they, they were just sitting, I think we just taken the shipment out this morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, they can do that. And she got a little recording studio here. What? For, um, so she does like a lot of tutorials in here. Um, so she'll sew and then you'll she'll set up cameras and oh, neat. and uh, has her backdrop right here so she could be talking to the camera. And then I have my own little recording studio up on the third floor. Terrific. Um, yeah. And when you were building this addition, <clears throat> you weren't thinking a long arm will be perfect <laughs> no. down here. But, I, you know, we definitely were debating about whether or not we finished the basement because it's got a bathroom. And this is definitely the most... Uh, to your point, this this space is the one that just gets turned over the most. Like uh -huh. it's been it's been a dance studio. That's why these mirrors <laughs> yeah. are here. It's been like a place for you know. I had a nephew, Clayton. He lived down here for a couple of years, so it's a great space for him. All right, now you said that this used to be a duplex. Yes. Oh yeah, I want to show you guys. And I know one. that you've hosted many people on what was the other half. Yes. What are you doing with it now? Show us. Okay. So it's a three bedroom, two bath, um, ready to rock. Just whenever people want to come stay. Holy um, cow. But kind of in the vision of wanting not just to like host families, like that's what we really wanted this space to be. So we've hosted, this was a guy's house for a while when Jackson was living here with uh -huh. his buddies. Now they have their own place. So now this is a place where we've got a family coming in, in a couple of days. They're going to stay for a week um, from South Carolina. So yeah, it's just going to be... Uh, can people Airbnb this place? If people, somebody like sees you on video yes. and thinks, <laughs> what I'd like to do is stay at that place. It's going to be private, so you'll have to get an invite. Okay. Um, but it, it is going to be for, for families that are looking to hang out with us for a bit. And part of what I want this to be is a place for families to actually go and experience other family teams in the area. Go hang out with right. your family, go hang out with the Schmoyers, right. the Morris, the Wolfenbergs. Like, you know, there's lots of families that are doing so many different things here. So We've said it before. We'll say it again. For people who this seems like another planet, we'd love to have you come to Cincinnati and kind of feel these rhythms firsthand. This would be one of the places you could stay if you came here. So I'll yeah. throw that out. So this is, and this is where I'm working from today. So Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And you can, I'll show you the bedrooms real quick. Yeah, go ahead. This has all been redone since you yeah. came here? So we've... I mean, wow! Babies! <laughs> you can put youngsters in here. Yeah, so they're kind of a bunk room. A lot of our friends have lots of kids, so... Great. Four or five kids. And then... Uh, and then there's uh, two more bedrooms. The white tree? What was the place that had the white tree? Gondor. <laughs> the white tree of Gondor, yeah. 
<laughs> there you go. Good job, Steven. <laughs> so this is a bedroom. The bedroom. This is the master suite. So this is we just finished this like this bathroom. We extended it all the way out to here and then redid it. So awesome. One of the things that people appreciate the most about you, and it's definitely why I wanted to get the video camera to your house, is because of the intentionality that you show behind everything. So I really appreciate you letting us take a look around. I'm sure people are very inspired and challenged, I have to say, challenged. You know, they go like, oh, I'm so precious about letting people into my space, or why would I spend this much money to extend my porch when it's going to be a bunch of strangers on it, or whatever people mm. think. And I'll also throw out that you guys put significant amounts of money. I think, I don't know if people think about this and they walk around a space like this, just how much money you have to put towards hosting right. and just going like, look, we want food to be ready for people. Yes. We want drinks to be, we want them to feel welcomed and, and, and hosted. Yeah. Not just like, here's the fellowship hall at the church. There it That's is. Right. It's an empty space you can use, but welcome into our world and right. into our family. So we, 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 I'm speaking on behalf of the whole city, we appreciate the priors and the oh, place that you so. have here. Thank you. All right. What a tour, huh? Pretty inspiring guy. But I also realize that you might look at that and be rather overwhelmed. You think, what Jeremy and April have done in their home is impossible for me to do. I don't even know where to start. How big does my front porch have to be? Uh, we don't live on a hill. I can't build gardens in front of the house or what, whatever the thing is. And I just want to say that Jeremy represents somebody who has um, really blossomed, you know, like on level five of making his home this place where the church meets and where other people can stay very easily with them, et cetera. And you might be wondering, well, where's the handhold for me? Where do I get started? And our suggestion to you, and I, I think I can speak for Jeremy, I think I, I've heard him give this advice before, our suggestion to you is the number one thing that you can do is start celebrating the Sabbath in your home. That is to take 24 hours, biblically it begins at, at sundown, to take 24 hours and say we're going to protect rest. And a, a, a tradition, um, it is a Jewish tradition, it springs from the Bible, but it's not described in the Bible, is as a meal that happens to ring in the Sabbath. And we think that, first of all, protecting that Sabbath day is a great way to start um, protecting your home and saying, we're going to follow God's laws here, and we're going to create a culture here that's different from the culture of the world. And at that Sabbath meal, it's a great opportunity for you to grab another family and say, why don't you guys come into our home? Even if we're crowded into a one-bedroom apartment, that shouldn't stop you. We're told to be hospitable. You could get someone into your home and you could start to practice. Just start to practice. Whoever's faithful in a small thing will be given much. So you could say, our home is going to be open even if you've got little ones around, oh boy, maybe we could keep things together for 30 minutes. Well, then do it for 30 minutes. Tell people, we want you to come over for 30 minutes. We want to host you. We want to have a Sabbath meal in our home. Um, pray together, honor the Lord together, and just start there. You don't have to have multiple terraces and a pickleball court in the back 
You don't have to do all that stuff. Just start small with where you are. I bless you as you make your home a place that serves your family mission and it becomes headquarters for the church of the living God under your roof. Bless you in that. Mm -hmm.